The private ownership of camels, gerbils, and water buffalo will continue gerbils. to be allowed. Gerbils. Gerbils. Yeah. He said gerbils, as in uh, Joseph. <laughs> 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 yeah, you're not allowed to have a pet gerbils either. Yeah. <laughs> it's Friday, July 8th, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands, or at least until this week, because uh, this is uh, the last episode before our summer break. Yes, um, our extraordinarily long summer break that uh, uh, yeah, Americans yeah. always whinge about, the fact that <laughs> the whole country exactly. shuts down. for And BEM codes as well. Yeah. Um, but um, if there is some... Uh, yeah, some some uh, uh, development we uh, we have to address, then uh, then we will uh, return. And I, I I have a feeling we might have to uh, come back once or twice. There may be some news. Yeah. In yeah. The yeah. Course I'm of the afraid. Uh, yeah. I'm afraid we will not have uh, as quite a summer as we are hoping for. Yeah. Um, my name is Paul Peters. I'm a master student in civil engineering and skiing police aide. With me today is Gordon Derek, contributing editor at Dutch News and Checkers Wedding Planner. <laughs> Yeah, uh, with whom are we going to start first? Yeah, um, uh, I don't know what the skiing police aid thing is uh, you about don't? at all, so no, enlighten me. Yeah. Oh, um, I, I think, I hope you have seen this video because it went absolutely viral. It was a video made by someone uh, hanging out the window of uh, one of the canal houses in Amsterdam, uh, and he was filming um, two police officers on a bike chasing someone they were obviously trying to arrest. And this person uh, ran along the canal and then turned around and as the uh, police officers were uh, trying to uh, turn around as well on their bikes, um, another person on their bike, just a civilian with uh, skis on his uh, bike mm-hmm. sticking out on both <laughs> sides, um, he um, accidentally <laughs> uh, 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 rode into that uh, uh, person that was trying to escape. Um, <laughs> so he fell and uh, that uh, gave the uh, police officers an opportunity to um, uh, to arrest him. And the funny thing is uh, <laughs> the the, the guy who uh, w- with the skis he, he stepped out of his bike mm. he adjusted his um, his front wheel because it uh, uh, got skewed a little bit or a little bit crooked he uh, uh, he he he, uh, he adjusted it he uh, and then he stepped on his bike and uh, went off again <laughs> so um <laughs> The caption of this video was, because it was initially tweeted by uh, an American, I think, uh, that was, uh, uh, America has militarized police, and this is what we have in the Netherlands. So, uh, yeah, the, uh, the the contrast was striking between some videos you often see for, coming from America uh, involving yeah. police officers yeah. and, uh, and how we do it in Amsterdam, apparently. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's good. No, I, I think I, no, I have seen this video now. It's just a bit about the skis through me because I thought it was all about the bike and the fact that these uh, these police were, were sort of um, uh, chasing the guy on pushed you know bikes, push bikes, not motorbikes. Um, it'd be when he had pe- and uh, oh yeah 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 and then sort of doubling back and forwards and uh, eventually they sort of pedaled their way towards him. And then you see, the, like you say, the guy with the skis turned up and sort of crashed into the guy who was running away. And then I love I love the detail that he just stopped. And sort of hung around afterwards, like he was sort of, <laughs> he wanted to get the police details so he could send a ticky or something for the damage to the skis or for the insurance. Yeah, you exactly. Yeah. <laughs> does this person have aansprakelijkheidsverzekering? Um, of course he does. He's so yeah, Dutch. Of course he does. Yeah, you don't need to ask that here. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, there was uh, there was a funny video, and we will link to that in the liner notes in case you uh, haven't seen it yet. Yep. Um, yeah. 
and Gordon, you are planning weddings nowadays, or uh, what are you doing? Oh yeah, I mean, what's uh, yeah? Where do we begin with this? Yeah, weddings, <laughs> yeah, exactly. resignations, uh, you know, sort of uh, people moving house, coming and going. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> we, we, we've got um, you know, the, 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 this, this, yeah, the culmination of this extraordinary day where I think thirty-seven ministers and government officials resigned from jobs that no one actually knew existed until they 48. resigned from them. 48, yeah, 38, yeah, including an yeah. education secretary who was only education secretary for I think one hour, no, one day yeah. and two hours. Yeah, and breaking the record of the uh, of the Chancellor of the Exchequer who resigned. Uh, uh, yeah, a little uh, a little over that. Yeah, this all happened in London. Obviously, not in the, the Netherlands. This was just the, no. the, the, the everyday chaos that has become uh, British politics. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's been thoroughly. The, 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 I think stocks of popcorn of uh, uh, shares in popcorn have absolutely gone through the roof in the last <laughs> yeah. couple of weeks. Uh, in fact, I think uh, if Scotland becomes independent, we should just give England the oil as long as we have a permanent <laughs> deal to export popcorn in perpetuity, because then that that would pay off all of our legacy debts. That would be fine. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> Um, the level the, of political drama in Scotland will uh, will be disappointedly <laughs> low if you leave the, uh, the, uh, the 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 union. I'm afraid. Exactly. Yeah, we'll, so, we'll get uh, withdrawal symptoms. You know. We'll yeah, to, we'll yeah. Wonder what's uh, what, what to do. Uh, but it yeah, was one of these weeks, one of these well, couple of days that you just kept refreshing your your Twitter feed because you just wanted to know what what was happening, and then yeah. the the speed of all the developments was just uh, dizzying almost. Uh, uh, as you said, um, all these resignations of 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 ministers that we uh, n- never heard of i mean how many how many ministerial posts are there 138 or some something yeah. some, uh, something amazing said. yeah and, um, and, uh, and, I, and i mean the, the minister without portfolio resigned i mean how do you resign as a minister <laughs> without portfolio do you sort of go to the yeah. go to the, the prime minister with a, with an imaginary portfolio and say there you go there's <laughs> <laughs> the portfolio yeah. you never gave me i'm handing it back now and the, <laughs> the, the the tragic thing at one point was that there were simply not enough mps left to fill in all the gaps uh, left by all the resignations um, and that was in the end probably the, the 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 thing that prompted Boris Johnson to resign because he couldn't simply fill his cabinet anymore mm. um, has he actually resigned no he says he uh, intended to resign yeah, as soon as the there is a the, 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 the new kind of uh, yeah um, question is whether he has actually resigned because technically he hasn't but no. um, you know and, no. and, and then and then but, but of course he's he's fudged the whole thing as with Boris Johnson nothing is ever clear-cut or uh, unambiguous yeah. so you know he's he, he stood inside number 10 and said he intends to leave but he hasn't actually uh, gone to the queen he hasn't uh, written a letter of resignation unlike the 38 ministers including five who actually kind of saved on stationery by writing a mass <laughs> resignation letter where they all signed it at the bottom so, so yeah which is quite uh, I- uh, at that point, I expected uh, the the House of Commons simply ran out of paper yeah. to print all the resignation uh, letters. Yeah. Now yeah. the thing is, um, uh, like Mark Rutte, uh, that is a, th- a comparison we can make with the Netherlands. I think uh, as long as he is not gone, he is not gone. Yeah. And he will all, he will probably try to find a way to to stay on. Um, he can still technically. Um, also run for the for the new party leadership election, I think. Yeah. So yeah, who knows if he's going to do that? Perhaps yeah, in the thing. coming yeah. days he, he he does something very highly popular, and other people will, other MPs will will um, uh, 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 yeah get reminded of uh, how he um, how he managed to win the that landslide uh, uh, victory in the last election, for example. You never know what's going to happen, and I think um, if you want him out, then uh, yeah, you should really force him out right now because otherwise you will uh, we, you will always uh, 
uh, get stuck with Boris Johnson, I yeah. think. Um, and who says that? I mean, he, he uh, in the Brexit campaign, he went from uh, remain to leave. And who knows that he is going to... Yeah, he's going to switch from leave to remain. Yeah. 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 And then and yeah. now the other he's, way around. He's going to really go to... Yeah. No, I th- and I think, uh, yeah, in, in practice, so I, th- I think, you know, he is going to go. He's The the, 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 the Conservative Party already drew, now redrawing the rules for a leadership contest um, and talking about who's going to be the successor. The, just, just the question is when. He's, he wants to hang on as a caretaker prime minister now until September and one of the things that um, uh, is being suggested that he wants to stay until the autumn is because he's, he was planning he already planned a big wedding bash at his country <laughs> house in Chequers uh, with his uh, you know, with his new wife and uh, mother of his uh, newborn baby uh, Carrie uh, so uh, yes um, yeah, so, so maybe the carpenter have have in a, chief the carpenter in chief yeah so maybe they will have to have the wedding party in the in the foreign office um, where where it all began apparently um, and I think uh, I'm not going to go any further in explaining no, exactly. that <laughs> yeah, either yeah. you know or you don't know and uh, yeah, if you don't yeah, know you know, if, you don't know yeah. if, yeah, you don't know, congr- you don't. if you don't know congratulations <laughs> frankly yeah yeah Czechos is the official uh, uh, country house of the prime minister and if he uh, yeah leaves now he can no longer use it of course so yeah that's uh, it, it is rumored that is one of the main reasons why he's uh, trying to stay on yeah um but yeah, just let's, one last uh, party. Yeah, it would be a fitting way to go out, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think we should uh, move on to. I think we should get to, back uh, Dutch news, really. Yeah, I think so as well. Yeah, and uh, the opf of the week uh, comes from the Hague this time, yeah. where the cabinet announced on Tuesday that it's planning to hire an external bureau to determine what exactly is fruit and what is uh, what are vegetables. Yeah, and, and, um, and where, where does a tomato fit into this whole? Uh, yeah, and, and pizza, yeah. for example. Yeah, yeah. Um, in the coalition agreement in, of last uh, January, the government said it wants to reduce VAT taxes on fruits and vegetables to encourage people to consume more healthy foods. But it turns out that this has led to an unexpectedly complicated puzzle. Ministers wrote to Parliament that they are struggling with the definition of fruit and vegetables. The question is uh, to which extent the VAT reduction should also apply to products with uh, with processed uh, fruits and vegetables. Mm. It's clear that fresh and frozen Frozen fruits and vegetables should be included, but what can we, for example, consider uh, a jar of pasta sauce? Uh, is that a vegetable or not? Because, mm. you know, it contains a lot of tomato, I assume, or, and, and, and other yeah, vegetables. And and various other things, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the definition of processed is also difficult to determine, ministers added. Uh, washing, peeling, cutting, packaging and freezing, that's also, uh, in a sense, uh, yeah, a type of processing. Uh, and the government has now hired an outside agency to help answer these questions, which uh, yeah, led to some upheaval on social media, not least because of the uh, uh, the headline, the Telegraaf, uh, 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 made out of all mm. this. Um People were asking if this was really something the government should be focusing on in a time where we have several other pressing uh, crises going on. Uh, but the plan to reduce VAT taxes on fruit and vegetables is expected to cost 1 billion euros a year. And the government wants to fill this gap by taxing unhealthy food uh, heavier, for which uh, they probably need even more help from external bureaus. So, uh, yeah, that's also something uh, to look forward to. Yeah. Um, so, but, so, so. yeah, the... The the, the, the the Netherlands is not the only country that has this uh, uh, has had this problem because I think famously tomato was in the United States ruled a fruit or a vegetable or the other way around because they were also taxed differently. Mm. Um, 
and uh, I think also uh, a pizza in, in one of the states in the United States is considered uh, a vegetable because of the uh, yeah Sounds pasta sauce it, yeah. uh, it contains, I guess. Um, yeah. So yeah, this is just one of these um, initiatives that seem uh, like a nice gesture or a nice idea. But if you think about it, then, you know, this is going to complicate things probably more than, than it's offering solutions to, to, to other problems. So yeah, yeah maybe we should just, uh, maybe we should just uh, scrap this, uh, this idea <laughs> and uh, yeah. uh, just, uh, just uh, tax it at 6% or 9%, I believe yeah. it is. It's not yeah, that they want to, yeah, they want, yeah, but they want to encourage healthy eating, I guess. But I mean, we could solve a few problems here, I think, because the farmers are complaining that there's no work for them in the industry but <laughs> here's an opportunity right you can just set up a huge agency and staff it with all the farmers that you're laying off um to decide what are fruit and vegetables i mean they should have some some knowledge shouldn't they yeah they yeah, although the mind, given that they couldn't distinguish between uh, beef and horse meat perhaps not so it's difficult <laughs> it's difficult to tell it could go either way that one <laughs> Yeah, but I think I think you you have a solution here for the uh, unemployment on the farmers in the coming years. Yeah, yeah that's uh, that's a good one. Turn the farmers into tax consultants, <laughs> as if we well, don't in have a way, already. Yeah, well, they 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 have plenty uh, they, of experience they, 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 with I mean, subsidies they, they are kind of and a lot uh, more specialists in uh, creative taxation as well. So yeah, yeah they, so, they have uh, a lot yeah. of form on that. Yeah, <laughs> I think we're onto something here. <laughs> Maybe we should uh, set up an external bureau and advise uh, the the stickstoff ministry about all this. Uh, we we can make a lot of money, I think. Yeah. This week, farmers' protests are spiraling out of control, while a familiar face is called to the Hague to mediate between the government and farmers. The government wants to open a new refugee center in Flevoland. There was a wave of arrests in the murder case of Peter Erde Vries. The police released new information about last week's pound shop Oceanis 11 theft in Maastricht. The holy grass of Wimbledon center court became the graveyard of orange hopes and dreams. And we reveal if you're allowed to keep your camel or not. Yeah, so stay tuned for that. Or we'll just uh, take a camel on a, on a farmer's protest. So, okay. <laughs> Farmers groups this week took their demos to the depot. Convoys of tractors blocked around 15 distribution centres around the country to stop trucks delivering food to the major supermarkets. By Tuesday, shelves were starting to empty out and local mayors were ordering the police to move in and send the farmers on their way. Just as was, your, was, your, was your supermarket uh, uh, affected by well, these protests? My supermarket was hit, yes. Uh, no, there were very little fresh fruit uh, or vegetables, uh, so at least uh, less work for the civil servants, at least. But um, yeah, uh, no, no, definitely. I mean, I noticed that uh, there was getting less um, uh, fresh produce, less meat, less milk. The milk ran out quite quickly. Yeah, but then that's right. as yeah. happened with lockdown, actually, funny enough, I mean, the the the, the big supermarket with the big distribution center uh, was hit. But then if you went to sort of the local Buert super, you know, some yeah. little independently run shop, that that the, the, they were fully stocked. So they uh, they always uh, yeah exactly yeah. and the same thing with the uh, sunflower oil for example yeah. uh, if you if you uh, uh, couldn't get a hold on that in one of the larger supermarkets and you could always go to a local one and they always uh, managed to to have some in stock yeah that's uh, so uh, yeah yeah 
Exactly. Uh, Justice Minister Dylan Yasilgas said it was up to local authorities to decide when and how to take action. The Hague wouldn't be stepping in. So as usual, they just sort of passed all the responsibility onto local authorities. Um, and while most of the protesters did disperse... I, I laughed at some point uh, that there were tractors uh, blocking a distribution center of the Vomar supermarket, yeah. uh, which is, uh, uh, I think, based in, uh, in North Holland, mostly. Yeah. Uh, and at some point, <laughs> the, uh, the truck drivers of that uh, of that distribution center blocked the way of, uh, of tractors. So yes. there was a sort of block section yeah. uh, going on exactly. around that distribution center. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Who watches the watchman? Who who blocks the blockman? Like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. This was a cycle of, uh, yeah, sort of, sort of MC Escher-esque circle of, uh, of blockades. Yeah, and interestingly enough, they hadn't called Steph Block to solve that. Uh, no. Uh, to solve that uh, gridlock. Yeah. Well, give it time. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so um, while most of the protesters dispersed peacefully, there were a few flashpoints. Uh, Two hundred fines were issued on the first day. Riot police were pelted with bottles, and a police shovel was destroyed in Svola. And in Rotterdam, nineteen people were arrested when they refused to leave a distribution centre. But the real trouble was in the Heerenveen in Friesland, where police uh, used dogs and tear gas to break up a demonstration. And then on Tuesday evening, it really escalated when officers fired shots at a tractor that broke through a police blockade uh, trying to stop tractors going on the motorway. The 16-year-old driver, uh, Jauke Hospers from Akron, was originally charged with manslaughter. Uh, or attempted manslaughter, I should say, uh, along with two men aged 34 and 46. Police sent a tweet at the time saying the tractors had been deliberately driven at officers who wanted to stop them going on the A32, but the video footage showed the tractor was fired at while it was driving away from the police um, towards the motorway, and Hospice was later released without charge. Um, and the, the latest stage of this, uh, read this morning, was that uh, one of the uh, policemen who's involved in the shooting has had to go into hiding after his name, his address, and his photograph were all circulated. On social media, so. yeah, uh, yeah, f- uh, pretty, uh, yeah, uh, worrying developments here. Uh, uh, it's it's really starting to look like it's it's going to escalate, and um, yeah, it's uh, it's that's not a not a very hopeful um, development, I think. Um, yeah, and there's a protest by farmers at the police station in Leuvarden as well, while, while um, yeah, the, 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 this boy uh, Jakob Hospice was being detained. So they, they all yeah, drove well, off the tractors. So. No, they were they were protesting at a closed police uh, station, oh, yes, which was yeah. no longer in use as <laughs> a detaining center. But th- th- that's uh, <laughs> that's just a that's funny, part, yeah, that's part of the course, <laughs> funny yeah. detail. Yeah, yeah, um, uh, yeah but what, uh, what 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 people don't seem to realize is that as soon as a police officer uses his gun or even uh, threatens to use his gun uh, th- th- this uh, officer will be investigated thoroughly mm. and, and they will they will look into what what exactly were the circumstances and if he was really if it was really necessary to uh, to fire the gun and if not then uh, he will be reprimanded so uh, but nonetheless this this guy uh, who, who was on this tractor he turned out to be a boy of 16 and he mm. was really yeah, uh, shocked by it all Um yeah, he was so, interviewed. Yeah, uh, and his mother was interviewed as well. And, uh, yeah, said that uh, they were shot by how quickly he escalated. I think the police did fire warning shots at first, but then when he saw in the footage, another tractor had just kind of dashed onto the motorway just before he went. So I think he kind of fancied his chances. Um, but also he saw the the bullet hole in the tractor was kind of in the middle of the screen at sort yeah. of like head height, which um, 
is a bit of a worrying development in itself, I think. Yeah, and, uh, the was, fact uh, that police put the tweet out, which is the thing, the police do this a lot. As soon as police fire shots, they immediately send out messages on social media claiming that they were under attack. And then the evidence tends to suggest that they were not quite as in as much danger as they said they were. But nevertheless, the whole thing will be investigated thoroughly, as you say, and we will learn in the fullness of time what exactly happened. Yeah, and it's uh, it's uh, very tragic uh, uh, on all points, on all sides, I think. Yeah. Um, but the farmers also uh, churned up a field in, in Gelderland, right? Yeah, more opf about this, um, because the whole reason the farmers are unhappy, of course, is that uh, the agriculture sector is having to be cut back uh, to protect these Natura 2000 uh, conservation zones uh, from nitrogen compound emissions. And one of these zones was a small nature reserve near Stru in Gelderland, uh, which is uh, also the, the, the close to the spot where the farmers held a mass demonstration two weeks ago. Uh, so what happened here was a group of farmers drove onto this uh, nature reserve with their tractor and basically just destroyed the land. Yeah. Um, so, the, yeah, completely senseless vandalism in a sense. And two journalists from the local newspaper, I think Distentor, uh, were on were in the area at the time and the farmers kind of threatened them and drove them away so they couldn't report on what's going on. Uh, the fields managed by the Forestry Commission, Statsbosper here, uh, who filed a police complaint uh, of vandalism, while the farmers uh, have accused Statsbosper here of wasting huge amounts of subsidies on mismanaging the environment, which uh, is possibly <laughs> the most ironic thing I've read this week. <laughs> yeah. yeah, indeed, yeah. yeah. But this is another example of how things are starting to escalate in this um in this uh, saga, I think. Um, uh, what, what the farmers were complaining about is that in this uh, preservation zone, um, 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 trees that have fallen down because of the storm, for example, we had a couple of months ago, uh, weren't cleared. But that is now policy of Stas here to yeah. just not clear every every tree that has fallen over because uh, that, that has also some use for, for, for nature, of course. Yeah, they, they, the, they uh, say the, kind of the, the degrading um, rotten wood is actually uh, serves as a nutrient or something, doesn't it? So Exactly. Yeah, 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 it attracts in- insects and uh, and so and so on. Yeah. Um, uh, but but yeah, farmers uh, they look at that and they uh, interpret that as oh, they're not taking care of this uh, uh, preservation zone uh, anyway. Yeah. So, but yeah, it is. Uh, I hope this is uh, not something we will see more. Uh, that we don't see any copycat actions, but um, yeah, um, I'm not. Uh, I'm I'm not very hopeful. Um, no, to say the least. Um, but yeah, uh, luckily the the government has appointed a mediator, someone we uh, who have a, a new face we have never heard of. Yeah, yeah, um, a, a brand new, uh, an exciting, unconventional appointment here. Um, yeah, and uncontroversial, and un- <laughs> so totally uncontroversial <laughs> as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's a the guy that uh, they always call up to kind of sort out any sort of uh, little local difficulty. Um, we did speculate last week, sort of half jokingly, that uh, Johan Remkes uh, would be called in to moderate the dispute. Uh, and sure enough, on Sunday, uh, <laughs> the government picked up the phone and called Johan Remkes. Um, and yeah. we can only think it's because Hermann Tink Willink uh, was hiding in a fridge by that time, <laughs> so that he didn't get called. But uh, yeah. Remkes is actually a controversial figure with the farmers uh, because he yeah. chaired the commission that said uh, the only way to actually uh, get nitrogen compound emissions down uh, to comply with the Council of State's binding ruling was uh, for some farmers to give up. And the farmers don't want to do that. So they're and not he, really of course, played of a crucial role in forming uh, the current cabinet, and uh, w- w- which the farmers are very unhappy with. So, yeah, he also played uh, an important role in that. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I think if, if someone has 
thought about that and not automatically jumped into the Remkes reflex. Yeah. Remkes reflex, as the NOS called it. And uh, then, yeah. then yeah, they would probably have picked another one. Um, yeah, but, but after the appointment, I mean, the, the, the uh, nature minister, Christiane van der Waals, uh, said that Remkes was the right man for the job uh, because of his track record as a troubleshooter, his statecraft, I think they've said at some point, uh, and the fact he <laughs> he already you know, was familiar with the, uh, nitrogen, the whole nitrogen issue um, because of... Um, yeah, because of involvement in that commission. But the uh, farmers organization, LTO, which is uh, one of the more moderate uh, farmers organizations uh, that does want dialogue, says there's no point uh, talking to Remkes uh, because there's no room to discuss uh, the aims, the timescale and the means uh, of uh, you know, basically the, 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 there aren't going to be fundamental changes uh, to the nitrogen dossier. And they also don't like the fact that he was his role was described as talks leader rather than mediator. They yeah, uh, they didn't want him to be talking. Yeah, so, so issuing orders uh, from down from on high, which uh, I think is a, I it, think is maybe a part of the farmer's grievance that we maybe haven't uh, appreciated much. I mean, it, it, it's so kind of hardwired into um, uh, you know sort of Dutch public and civic life that uh, everything is up for negotiation, discussion. The fact that there is yeah. a court order that must be followed is kind of anathema to that whole uh, kind of working culture and uh, it's know, just the whole... a legal reality isn't it yeah, yeah exactly we simply can't avoid yeah. what i think uh Remke's job will be is just to sit around with the farmers and quietly explain what exactly are the plans and that there are actually a lot of opportunities and a lot of compensations uh, for the farmers and that yeah. uh, uh that it is not so Catastrophic, catastrophic, and so uh, uh, destructive as uh, 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 as a lot of people seem to think. Yeah, um, I mean, it's a redundancy scheme, basically. That's what they're doing—a massive, yeah. mass redundancy of farmers. And I've been made redundant, and it's it, it, <laughs> it, it is a huge shock at the time. But gradually, you kind of realise that actually, you get a big wedge of money and a chance to restart your career, and you know, to leave an industry that's often struggling or dying, and a chance to restart your career. And uh, you know, with, with the right kind of support, and they definitely should deserve compensation and good support and i hope that's arranged for them uh you know the, 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 it's gonna be much less catastrophic than they seem to think at the moment i think do you think someone said that exact sentence to uh, boris johnson at some point in the week <laughs> i think they were queuing up to, 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 to try and tell him no, no i think he'll get a good payoff that's another um uh, uh point in the uh, uh, the whole Boris Johnson saga and it, all these ministers who were appointed for like so three hours uh, are all entitled to their Wachtgeld now they get three months oh payoff. really is yeah. that also a thing in, in Britain <laughs> it is oh. yeah. yeah you get three oh. you get, apparently you get three months salary even if you've only been in the job for less than a day or oh, just only day. three months oh okay yeah yeah, yeah. in the Netherlands that goes on in t- in to infinity right a lot right. of people seem to think but uh, no that's uh, uh, of course not true The government drafted new plans to allow courts to judge laws on their constitutionality. Recent scandals such as uh, child benefit scandal have prompted ministers to consider giving citizens more legal rights. Traditionally, the task of testing the constitutionality of laws has lied with lawmakers, especially the upper house. But in recent years, the Eerste Kamer has increasingly become more politicized. A special commission that uh, looked into whether the Dutch democracy should be reorganized. Who do you think chaired this commission, uh, Gordon? Um, um, if I was just going to go for a wild guess, I might say uh, Johan Remkes. <laughs> Bingo! <laughs> you're, you're, you're... How many Johan Remkes are there? Is it like a factory somewhere in uh, you know up in Kroningen where they're just cloning Remkes? Uh, 
I'm, I'm sure there is. I mean, there's <laughs> simply no other explanation, isn't there? Yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. This guy seems to be busy with with yeah five things at a time. Uh, yeah. Uh, because he's he's currently also uh, the uh, the 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 governor of the one governor, of the provinces, right? Yes. Yeah, 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 he, yeah, yeah. He, he was uh, called into that job after the previous governor re- resigned uh, just before Limburg got heavily flooded uh, last year as well. And it all seems to be every time Remkes takes on a job, there's some disaster. That we should, uh, um, um, I'm starting to wonder if maybe you know maybe they should uh, try somebody else who's not so jinxed. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that committee had advised to install a uh, constitutional court, but the government does not want to go that far. Uh, the new plans would allow all courts to check the so-called classical rights, such as the press freedom and the right to demonstrate or Article 1 that forbids discrimination, but not the social rights, uh, such as uh, the right of housing. The reform itself will require a change of the constitution because currently courts are, ironically, constitutionally prohibited to check if laws conflict with the constitution yeah um there's also uh, been some news about the refugee center up in the apple where there's been lots of problems with overcrowding and such like right yeah the government has selected uh, a new site for a, a second refugee registration center for asylum seekers uh, they picked a uh, uh, bond in flevoland in the north uh, in the North Oost Polder, which I think I can only uh, uh, think is is a strategy to uh, try to attract uh, 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 less people to I was the say, Netherlands. Try to deter uh, asylum seekers. <laughs> exactly. I imagine there's a campaign right now going on in Syria to, to circulate pictures of the North Oost Polder and saying this is where you're going to end up. <laughs> yeah, and that will uh, <laughs> change a lot of uh, minds of a lot of people to come to the Netherlands. I think that's the that's the hope. Um, yeah, as you said, uh, the, the the current refugees registration center into Apple uh, has a lot of overcrowding problems uh, which uh, has increasingly become uh, worse in the, in a couple of uh, in the last months um, the new facility center will have room for 300 people um, local authorities were reluctant to cooperate but uh, deputy justice minister Erik van den Burg uh, said he was prepared to force the municipality to open a facility if they uh, 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 kept opposing uh, too, too long. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the government has been under pressure for months to solve the overcrowding problems in Ter Apel, where newly arrived refugees sometimes had to spend the night in chairs or even in tents outside the gates. Yeah. Uh, or otherwise, they, they, they put in a bus at midnight and driven 200 kilometers down to Brabant to spend the night yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, refugee agency uh, Vluchtelingenwerk has uh, threatened to take the government to court to resolve the problems in Ter Apel. Uh, which they called damaging and inhumane. Yeah. yeah, and at some point, even the Red Cross uh, uh, felt they had need to come into action and provide shelter and uh, and food for newly arrived refugees. So yeah, yeah that's uh, that's not a good sign if uh, if you need a Red Cross uh, 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 for aid. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, uh, another large scale and ongoing clusterfuck is, of course, uh, the coronavirus pandemic, and uh, the, uh, uh, the, the the parliamentary inquiry has uh, taken a step further this week as well, hasn't it? That's right. Uh, uh, to begin with, do you know who, uh, who who got infected with coronavirus this week? Uh, yeah, I, I, was it somebody who uh, played quite a key role in uh, the whole uh, coronavirus? Uh, 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 yeah, uh, you know, in, in, in the whole pandemic response, and uh, everyone uh, ended up shouting at constantly. Yes, yeah, Hugo de Jonge. Hugo de Jonge. Yeah, you've got plenty of time to polish his shoes. <laughs> no, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
He's a shareholder with his feet up on the couch with his <laughs> shoes on, as uh, like in that famous picture he shared on Twitter. Yeah, and uh, and and, and uh, polishes shoes uh, uh, so that he can uh, admire himself in the reflection of uh, exactly of his shoes. Yeah, uh, the Tweede Kamer has appointed a parliamentary inquiry commission that will investigate the government's handling of coronavirus. The committee will be chaired by former Tweede Kamer chair Khadija Arip, and other members include independent MP Pieter Omzicht, who has been highly critical of the cabinet uh, during the pandemic. Pandemic, and also Forum for Democracy MP Pepijn van Houwelingen, who has always flatly denied the existence of the virus altogether. Yeah, and, uh, uh, and, uh, and another name that has stood out for me was uh, Vibram van Haga, is also on this committee. Yeah, who, yeah. who was also, uh, yeah, he was the number two uh, of Forum for Democracy in yes. the last election. He, has, uh, he was highly uh, popular among uh, people who hated lockdowns. Yeah, and, and uh, people and who were fond of saying it's just a flu. Uh, yeah, even while yeah. thirty thousand people were dying, yeah, P- people people that chose to 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 uh, deny the severity of the virus uh, because they hated to stay indoors and wanted to go to festivals. Yeah, that was the electoral base. Wim van Haga Haga mostly attracted. Yeah, um, and then as a PVV MP, so there's a fairly even split really between um, uh, between science and anti-science. Even though yeah. the anti-science is only really representative of a very small share of the population. So uh, that's yeah. uh, kind of, uh, yeah, going to be interesting. Yeah, and Arip told journalists that the commission wants to hear all opinions, yeah. uh, but she emphasized that uh, the commission will uh, base their conclusions on the facts. Um, her appointment has also been criticized because some feel that she played a too crucial role uh, as the Tweede Kamer chair during the pandemic for uh, chairing this investigative commission. Um, I don't really understand how that works. I tried to understand it, but I couldn't really find a, yeah. a, a, a solid argument uh, against her, to be honest. Um, but a poly- parliamentary inquiry uh, in the Netherlands is the heaviest medium of investigation. Uh, witnesses must appear for interrogation if they are summoned by the commission and they are he- heard under oath. Right, so, um, so we, have, we have this commission where um, witnesses are compelled to appear and uh, Pepijn van Howlingen is on. I, I, I just shudder to think what witnesses he's going to demand appears in front of this commission. You know, I, I can yeah. already see the letters going out to you know, all these uh, um, uh, characters of the World Economic Forum that they always blame for the whole world's ills you know so Klaus mm. Schwab will probably get an invite and that would be interesting <laughs> <laughs> and not really opposed to that <laughs> I have to say um, no I would uh, I haven't thought about that but that is yeah. uh, that is a, a prospect I uh, I, uh, I welcome I have to say <laughs> um, currently there's also another parliamentary uh, inquiry going on that is uh, looking into the Groninger gas extraction uh, hearing started two weeks ago and uh, they are planning to continue uh, with it well into the autumn so yeah that's going to take a lot of time yeah so there's that there's the uh, coronavirus pandemic and there are more public inquiries coming into the Tuslachen affair as well the childcare benefit scandals so exactly it's it's going to be a fairly lively uh, autumn I think crime news uh, the District Court of Amsterdam has reopened the investigation into the murder of Peter Ed de Vries exactly one year after the journalist was shot dead in the in, in, in the capital city Two men, Delano G and Camille A, are on, currently on trial, accused of carrying out the killing, allegedly on the orders of gangland boss Ridoan Tahi. 
Last week, a 27-year-old Polish man, Christian M, was arrested on suspicion of giving directions to the two men who carried out the murder. So he's kind of the like the middle manager, the go-between, the operations manager for this assassination uh, in this sort of highly polished um, uh, yeah, criminal organisation that Taggy is, a, is alleged to be the head of. Uh, Het Parole yeah. reported that uh, M's name came up in intercepted messages between Taggy and one of his na- nephews in connection with another case. Uh, M was told to sort out a domestic dispute between a member of Taggy's family and her ex-partner. Uh, so he may provide more information about Taggy's role uh, in the shooting of De Vries, uh, which of course uh, Taggy's lawyer disputes. The court is due to give a verdict in the trial next Friday of the two men who are accused of uh, actually carrying out the, sh- the, the shooting, but it's not clear if that will still go ahead now that the case has been reopened. In a statement, the court said it was forced to consider new evidence that had come to light and it will hold a hearing on Monday where the prosecution and defence will respond to its findings. Yeah, and if you want to uh, remain updated with that, uh, I believe Molly Quell is uh, attending that hearing, so yes. she will probably live-tweet that in English if you want to uh, uh, yeah, n- know more about that. Um, but there were also another, there were two more arrests uh, uh, involving this case last week. Uh, what are they suspected of? Yeah, these are two men who were arrested in Spain and the Curacao, and they're accused of making films of the Fries straight after the shooting and then sharing them on social media. Uh, so, uh, yeah, you've got Kerry and M, who's like the operations manager and these guys are kind of the PR handlers uh, after the shooting uh, the prosecution's case is that De Vries was targeted because he was an advisor to a crown witness um, in another multiple murder case against Taki and 16 other men which is known as the Marengo trial uh, so the idea was that the films were being distributed to intimidate people um, into not testifying against Taki uh, because uh, this is this is what happens to you if you get caught up in this case basically yeah, and uh, uh, there's some more developments in our favorite heist of the year so far, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah the, 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 the completely different uh, the, 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 yeah, order of uh, offending here. Uh, the, the, the guys who raided the Tefaf Air Art Fair in Maastricht and uh, made off with, uh, well, we don't know exactly, but it uh, seems as if one large and... A uh, very valuable yellow diamond has gone missing, um, along with some other jewellery. Uh, so one of these jewel thieves uh, tried to smash a display case with a sledgehammer, uh, while others weighed weapons at bystanders. They were kind of sort of stood out as well uh, for, for kind of the way they were dressed. Uh, so police have now released images of five men who they say were involved in the robbery, um, who uh, <laughs> wore various combinations of uh, suits, uh, flannel suits, ties, flat caps and glasses, which has led, them, led to them being dubbed the geeky blinders. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah and, and and two of them were wearing the same cardigan as if they had yeah. sh- uh, <laughs> uh, shopped at at uh, at h&m and it was a uh, two-for-one discount uh, <laughs> it probably uh, was yeah yeah so uh, it's a very much the man at cna not quite the man at cna look but yeah <laughs> yeah. Yeah, some of that yeah it uh, was cna chic that's that's i think we can uh, we can describe their style yeah uh, police say the robbery lasted two minutes and the men then made off on electric scooters so <laughs> if you've seen any guys in, yeah, if you've seen any guys in flat caps uh, going through Maastricht <laughs> on electric scooters call the police <laughs> yeah or call a guy on skis with skis on his uh, on his uh, behind <laughs> back yeah yeah so uh, yeah, and oddly, the police arrested two Belgian men straight after the robbery, who turned out to have nothing to do with it. They sort of arrested <laughs> them in, uh, they stopped them in a car with Belgian plates and questioned yeah. them. Um, but, to be honest, uh, to be honest, the robbers had kind of looked Belgian, didn't they? <laughs> uh, when I saw it, yeah. them, I thought, yeah, these these must be either French or Belgians. Yeah. Uh, 
or, or yeah. maybe even Germans. I don't know. Have you ever been to no, a German? No, no, no. There, there was nothing German about them. No, oh, really? it was no, no, no. It was uh, um, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, yeah. Yeah, they, they, they also think uh, yeah that, uh, some of the glasses may have been fake, so maybe they got to, went shopping in the joke shop as well <laughs> for the fake glasses and moustaches. Um, yeah. yeah, so uh, yeah, the, the, the two Belgians have now been released and are no longer suspected of being involved, uh, but the police are looking for these five people. And um, yeah, we'll uh, uh, put a link to the tweet with the with these uh, quite striking. Um, uh, you know, CCTV grabs uh, of their faces uh, on in the line notes. In case you've seen them or you know where they went shopping. Yeah. Are we going to do the same thing the BBC did with all the resignations? This this uh, long lineup of uh, of faces uh, you've never. Well, there's not that many seen... faces. Yeah. No, yeah. that's right. Yeah. yeah. If you're an international jewel thief looking to stay ahead of the Dutch police, what better way to keep up to date than to listen to the Dutch News podcast? And you can even spend some of your ill-gotten gains on sponsoring us via the donations platform Patreon. For as little as one euro, one dollar, or a set of Cartier earrings a month, you can become a patron <laughs> and help us to help you make sense of the latest news and politics here in the Netherlands. In fact, uh, I'm thinking we should do a line of sponsored cloth caps and glasses or something. <laughs> we really do depend on our generous patrons to keep us going, and as an extra incentive, you'll be able to listen exclusively to our summer special podcast later this month when we'll be diving into some of the more obscure corners of Dutch history for your delectation. So if you want to avoid the disappointment of missing out on all of that and earn our eternal gratitude and a shout out on the next podcast, go to www.patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Dutch News NL. Prime Minister Mark Rutte said in a debate on the spring budget on Tuesday that people on low incomes could receive an extra 500 euros to cover their energy bills. This comes on top of the 800 euros that has already been promised. Rutte said he hopes the extra cash will help vulnerable families cope with high energy and gas bills. But what he really hopes is that uh, this will uh, uh, gain some support from the left-wing opposition parties GroenLinks and PvdA, who he desperately needs uh, for a majority in the Senate. Yes, for the September budget. No. Yeah. yeah, the 500 euro bonus will be paid to a limited group of 1 million people who have an income slightly above the social minimum, which is less than the 4.5 million people the opposition was asking for. Uh, that is uh, coincidentally uh, the same uh, number of people that receive healthcare benefits. Um, right. That was the group they want to uh, uh, have this uh, extra bonus apply for. Yeah. Um, Rutte said uh, that would be infeasible and irresponsible, but PVV leader Geert Wilders called Rutte's refusal a middle finger to people who can no longer uh, pay their bills. Uh, and together with SP leader Lilian Marijnissen, he tabled a motion of no confidence against Rutte and the cabinet as well. But that was, surprise, surprise, voted down. Does uh, Wilders now just uh, fire the table a motion of no confidence every week? Like, uh, this is like yeah, a standard thing now. That is what he does, right? Yeah. Uh, he always uh, motions. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised, surprised he didn't table a motion of confidence when uh, when Rutter spilled his coffee that time. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's doing the drop of a hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it surprised me as well. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's also yeah, but that what we call the inflation of of this motion, right? It yes. is the, the heaviest uh, tool the parliament has uh, to their disposal. But yeah, if you try to use that every time then you know that knife at, at some point uh, becomes less sharp and sharp and sharp and yeah. uh, I, I remember the time when even threatening with the motion of no confidence was 
uh, yeah, making headlines. But yeah, n- nowadays, uh, if if someone doesn't do it, then uh, that is uh, yeah, th- th- that's, that's a big surprise. Yeah, yeah. And if they do, it's just a footnote at the end of the story. Says uh, exactly. Oh, yes, and yeah. inevitably, Kurt Wilder's uh, table of emotion, no, no confidence, which is voted yeah. down. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And uh, emotion of no confidence only has real meaning nowadays if the uh, SGP votes uh, in favor of it. That's sort of the right. the threshold of that's the seriousness. The uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, well, talking of inflation, what's happening with uh, actual inflation? Yeah, it's uh, the statistics agency CBS released some new numbers, and uh, that shows that inflation is uh, easing finally, mm. uh, but only slightly. In June, uh, inflation was 8.6%, and that's a little bit less than 8.8% in May. Um, that's mostly because energy prices have stopped rising as quickly as they did in the past months, but food prices continue to grow. They went up uh, 11.2% in the past year. So yeah, that's. Mm. Uh, I have to say, I don't... Maybe I'm not paying attention that much, but I don't really notice that in the supermarkets. Oh, I do. I've, I've noticed definitely uh, that the things yeah? have gone up in price in the supermarket. Yes, top waffles seem to go up every time <laughs> yeah, I go into the shop. A... I remember one time I was shopping for hamburgers and I noticed that two packs of ha- identical hamburgers but had slightly different uh, user, uh, expiry dates. And I think the one with the earlier expiry date was about like 10, 10 cents cheaper than the one with the later expiry oh, date. okay, so, okay, um, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there's definitely things. And the bread as well, the, the, the baker. Um, yeah, their prices have gone up, but I think probably inflation is going to start to come down now. Partly because this kind of rise in energy prices started around about this time last year. So you're comparing against a rising base. So if the yeah. energy prices don't go up and they have kind of flatlined in the last month or two, then the actual comparative rate will, will come down. But people won't feel that in their pockets. They'll say, "Oh, inflation is only six percent this month, and yet I still feel like petrol is way too expensive." Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, if if uh, petrol prices has proven anything in the past, then it is that their prices will never come uh, as low as they used to do, right? So yeah, uh, yeah. Although, yeah. Although oil has come down the last week or two, it's slightly cheaper at the pumps now, but not by a lot. Yeah, and inflation has fallen in the rest of the European Union as well, but the Dutch inflation rate remains one of the highest in the union. So sports news, uh, we start with tennis because there were two Dutch players in the last 16 of Wimbledon for the first time since 2002. And all they had to do to reach the quarterfinals was to win a match on centre court against a man who's won 20 or more Grand Slam titles. Yeah. So easy pickings. Tim van Rijthoven, uh, who only got into Wimbledon on the last minute wildcard, so a real fairy story, was first up against Novak Djokovic last Sunday. And uh, I'd say he equipped himself pretty well, certainly in the first couple of sets where he played well in the first set and then won the second set um, uh, and was certainly was winning over the crowd but eventually he just kind of yeah, got steamrolled by Djokovic in yeah. the way that players tend to and uh, went down in four sets and given the fact that Reithoven had never played a fourth set in a competitive match before that maybe wasn't a surprise he hadn't even played on Wimbledon uh, ever before so yeah it's, no. uh, to, to end up on center court uh, against Novak Djokovic, yeah, that, as you said, it's a really a fairy tale, and he did remarkably well against Djokovic. I really expected the match to be a three-setter, but yeah, to 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 even win a set that was beyond his wildest dreams, uh, I'm yeah, sure. Definitely, is a badge of honor, and it's, it's a shame there's no ranking points at uh, Wimbledon this year because he would definitely have broken into the top 100 with that. Um, but yeah. perhaps I'll get a chance um, in a couple of weeks because he's he, he's been given a late invitation to the Infosys Hall of Fame Open in uh, Rhode Island in the USA. Uh, one of the players yeah. withdrawn so he will get uh, yeah, a, a chance to capitalise on his um, achievements at Wimbledon but uh, he said after the match that it had been an honour to be on the court with Djokovic and he claimed that Djokovic had told him at the net that uh, he had a very bright future ahead of him so 
that was nice. Yeah, that's nice. As long as you don't vaccinate, did he add that as well? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I think yeah, the, the fact that he went, uh, got so close to Djokovic was maybe the, the most dangerous <laughs> moment of the whole match. But uh, <laughs> with so much COVID flying around in the UK. Yeah. And then on Monday, uh, Botic van der Zanskulp, a scourge of commentators everywhere, took on Rafael Nadal. <laughs> Not quite the same fairy tale rise uh, for him. Botic kind of had his breakthrough uh, about 18 months ago at the US Open when he got to the quarterfinals and lost to Daniil Medvedev, who is who's absent from Wimbledon this year because of all the war crimes going on in Ukraine. And uh, the match didn't quite have the same fireworks as uh, Van Rijthoven's. Uh, but then late in the third set, Nadal was serving for the match and Van der Sanskult managed to break him and then forced huh. a tie-break, which he played quite well in, I thought. And uh, so it got got interesting towards the end but in the end Nadal did win in three sets and uh, that was uh, the end of the road for van der Zanskulp uh, subsequently of course it's the end of the road for Nadal he's had to retire with an injury so yeah. uh, his uh, opponent in the semi-final uh, Nick Kyrgios is now straight through to the final the enfant terrible of, uh, of tennis indeed um, and uh, there's some controversy at the women's European football championships right yes uh, the Dutch women are kicking off their defense of their title on Saturday against Sweden but uh, it's all kind of been a bit overshadowed by uh, a statement by uh, their former coach Vera Pau absolutely damning statement against Canfe Bay the Dutch Football Association she said that 35 years ago while she was a football player uh, she was raped by a prominent football official and then sexually assaulted by two other men all three she says were employed within Dutch football at the time she hasn't named them but she says she made um, several attempts five attempts over the years uh, to ask the football authorities to investigate the incident and take action against the men but uh, they basically stonewalled everything and in the end she filed a complaint with the police recently. Pau who is now the coach of the Republic of Ireland's team uh, at this year's championships is demanding an apology from the Canfe Bay and says she's no longer prepared to stay silent and um, she said uh, she'd wrestled long and hard with whether to go public on this. And she said, I know there'll be more heartache to come and stories may appear in the Dutch media of my horrific ordeal and claims will be made against me. But uh, nevertheless, she feels that uh, she, she cannot um, keep her silence any longer. And uh, she wants to make sure this doesn't happen to other women in the game. Powell also said she was very grateful to the support she received from the Irish authorities, uh, which is clearly oh. a jibe against Canfe B and the fact that it didn't offer her any kind of support or she felt that she was working in an unsafe environment when she was there. The Canfe Bay has admitted it didn't respond adequately to Powell's complaints, uh, which is a nice thing to say after 35 years, and says it wants to sit down and talk to her about conciliary mediation. But uh, kind of sounds like uh, the, the horse bolted a few decades ago on that one. Are they asking uh, Jon Remkes to mediate? I was going to say, yes. Uh, so <laughs> surely they inevitably ask Jon Remkes to chair the mediation. Yeah, yeah. Terrible story. Dreadful, um, dreadful. Yeah. Uh, is there some men's football news? I know you were itching to ask about this. Um, so, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, there have been some big uh, transfers in the last few weeks. Uh, Sebastian Allaire, formerly of Ajax, has been officially unveiled as a Borussia Dortmund player following his 31 million transfer last month. Uh, Luis Inestera has broken Feyenoord's transfer record uh, after joining Leeds United for 25 million. Sinistera scored 23 goals last season, um, including six in the Conference League. So maybe some of that money can go towards paying <laughs> off all the fines that Feyenoord uh, were given by UEFA for their fans' behaviour during the Conference League campaign. Great name, isn't it? <laughs> UEFA Conference League, yeah. No, 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 it's Sinistera. <laughs> oh, Sinistera, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he could be a Bond villain, Louis Sinistera. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, Stefan Bergwijn, another great name, uh, is expected to complete his move from Tottenham Hotspur to Ajax in the next few days, uh, as long as he passes the medical exam. And uh, PSV have signed last season's top scorer, Hugh Still, 
on a permanent basis. Uh, last season he was playing at PSV, but he was on loan from Spartak Moscow. So I guess he wasn't in a hurry to go back there because I think there's enough shooting going on from Moscow already. The Spartak bought Till from AZ three years ago for 18 million euros, uh, but PSV were able to snap him up for 3 million. Big loss for Spartak Moscow there. It's interesting that some at some sporting events... Uh... Russia is banned altogether, but uh, it's it's of the sudden for some reason it is still uh, okay to uh, yeah to to deal with uh, uh, Moscow uh, uh, teams, right? Yeah, I don't so, know. I, mean, oh. I don't know if if they had to pay the uh, the wages in rubles or maybe they exchange it for, exchange it for gas. I don't know. Yeah, and also the Medvedev, he was he was welcome in Rosmale, but not at Wimbledon. It's uh, yeah, strange uh, uh, inconsistency, I think. Yeah, well, that was a, the unilateral decision by Wimbledon, wasn't it? The, the ATP Tour haven't banned Russian players. And that's the reason that they wouldn't uh, award ranking points. Do you have camel uh, in your house, uh, Gordon, or not? Uh, no camels, no, no, no sloths. Uh, I have to say, if, if cuddly toys are on this list, then I'd be in big trouble. Because uh, <laughs> one of my children uh, is a big collector of soft toys. But uh, Do you think the Dutch Marie needs to get rid of Freya now? Well, I hope not. No, she, she's on the payroll by now, surely. So <laughs> That's right, yeah. Agriculture Minister Henk Slaghauer is uh, to put dozens of exotic animals on the list of banned pets to promote animal welfare and minimize the chances of illnesses jumping between species. From January 2024, people will no longer be allowed to keep animals such as serval cats, meerkats and sloths. Zoos and wildlife refuge are exempt from the measure. A list of 30 authorized species will include common pets such as dogs, cats, guinea pigs and rabbits and the private ownership of camels, gerbils and water buffalo will continue to be allowed provided the animals who's got water buffalo i don't know i don't know but yeah it's um and this is all provided uh, the animals are well taken care of several cats in particular have been gaining in popularity mainly for their cuteness and also their social media appeal the animal whose natural home is the savannah of africa needs space to run and yeah as we have heard in the farmer story that is uh, not in great supply in the Netherlands uh, currently. There, there um, might be more f- more, uh, more fields being uh, opened up in the in the next few years, though. Yeah, in, indeed. Yeah, the running theory is that we need to 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 remove the farmers to get more space for housing, but actually yeah. it is true for for several cats to run around. I That's think. Right. Yeah. Uh, recently, uh, a serval cat uh, made a break for it in Herkenbos, but returned to, uh, of its own, to its own accord. And Stachauer said the list is a big step towards improving animal welfare, but admitted it would be hard for owners to part with their pets. Yeah, because that is uh, that is the uh, the main issue here. Yes, owners who still have uh, a banned pet by January first, twenty twenty four, will be allowed to keep them until they die or given a new home. Do you think uh, this will uh, lead to a run on several cats uh, in 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 the months uh, well, leading up to January? Several cats, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So you got a several cat, you can probably sell it for a really good price in like uh, if you wait till next you know, next autumn. Yeah, and this will uh, also prevent animals being dumped in nature, which can damage flora and fauna. Yeah, so, indeed. Yeah. And also, uh, most na- most kind of uh, nature spots uh, have, have already been... Uh, <laughs> plowed over. <laughs> no, 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 no. Most nature spots have either been plowed over or they're full of uh, dumped uh, drugs paraphernalia from, uh, from <laughs> drug, uh, drug manufacturers. So the, the animals would, yeah. uh, you know, would be exposed to crystal meth and all sorts. Yeah, so we don't want we that. We don't want that, no. 
that's uh, all that we have for you this week this podcast uh, was a production of Dutch News which can be found online at dutchnews.nl we will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes you can get in touch with us by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl and if you want to help us out please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating you can also back us on Patreon at patreon.com slash dutchnewsnl and earn yourself a free shout out on the podcast my thanks to Gordon Derek and uh, we'll be back Probably after the summer, yeah, in the, in September. But uh, yeah, th- there is a chance that you will uh, hear uh, from us sooner. And if you are a Patreon listener, then uh, you will uh, definitely uh, hear from us because of uh, our summer special. And to everybody else, have a good summer. I just got a push message from the BBC <laughs> saying that former FIFA president Sepp Blatter and vice president Mike Michel Platini were found guilty of fraud in a Swiss trial. So right. notice the complete absence of gasps following this statement. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, what took them so long? Although the, 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 fact, the fact they were they were actually found guilty of something in Switzerland is quite remarkable. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> It's usually where people go to, where fraudsters go to escape. Isn't it? <laughs> exactly. It's, it's a bit. If there was a world championship of of of, of committing fraud, then yeah. uh, Switzerland would always win. It's like it's like the Swiss version of uh, of uh, of korfball. Yeah, yeah. You, you, well, you remember during the, the Tour de France drug scandals in the early two thousands, what happened was the cyclists uh, won the stages, went went through the mountains into Switzerland, and the minute they crossed the border, all the cyclists who were accused of drug drug offences got off their bikes and refused to go back into France. <laughs> I was unfamiliar with this, but this uh, this doesn't surprise me at all.